I've got the privilege this morning of sharing a message with you that I hope and pray will be an inspiration, will be an encouragement, maybe even a challenge to you on Christmas weekend. And I want to invite you guys to help me with this message this morning by helping me read a very famous chapter from the Bible. Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open to that right now. If you don't, you can read it off the screen. Let's read this in a big, loud voice together as we look at Matthew chapter 2 together, starting with verse 1. Read it in a big, loud voice with you today. 1, 2, 3, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. You know, this morning, I have a very special message to share with all of you, which I've entitled Christmas in Eight Words. If I could sum up the entire meaning, message, and purpose of Christmas in eight words, the eight words that I'm going to share with you are the words that I'm going to be sharing with you in this message today. And I really believe that not only do these eight words summarize the whole meaning of Christmas, but if you take these words to heart and you believe in these words, they can actually change your life. Now, before I share these words with you, can I make a confession this morning since we're in church? Is that okay? Make a confession to you this morning. Is Our theme for our Christmas service, I don't know if you noticed this, is stars. Everyone say stars. And you can see it on the walls that we've decorated. You can see it on the t-shirts that a lot of us are wearing. You can see it on the invitations that maybe you looked at as you came into our service today. You can see it on the videos that you've been uh, showing on the screen. And as I was preparing for this message this morning, I realized something, which is that ever since I was young, I've had this fascination with stars. I've had this fascination with stars. For example, when I was five years old, I read a book about the solar system that really impacted me. My parents, they gave me this book. It was a very thin book. It had a lot of pictures in it. On the front cover, there was a, a night sky filled with stars. And inside was talking about stars and planets, the solar system, the universe. And I was so intrigued. I was so fascinated by stars and planets and the solar system to the point where I would call everything and everyone I knew by certain stars and planets. For example, I had a Winnie the Pooh bear, a Winnie the Pooh doll that I took everywhere I went. Uh, and I called this Winnie the Pooh bear Earth. Earth, yes, like planet Earth. And, and people will be like, oh, your Winnie the Pooh bear is so cute. And I'll be like, no, his name is not Winnie the Pooh. His name is Earth. Right, that was how much I was into planets and stars. I remember I had a babysitter, uh, and her name is Celia, but for some reason I insisted on calling her Venus, right, which is the second planet, uh, you know, closest to the sun. And, you know, Venus also, I think, is the Roman god of, uh, goddess of beauty and love, and so she loved that name. So, hey, Venus. <laughs> She's just really into, you know, me calling her Venus. I tried calling my parents Jupiter and Saturn, but they were like, please don't call us that, right? Call us mom and dad. It's because I was fascinated with stars. Later on in life, many years later, I was dating this very cute girl who later on became my very cute wife. Her name is Charlene. You guys know her as Pastor Charlene. And I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've shared this with any of you here, but we actually had a special nickname for one another. Do you guys know what that nickname was? Can I share it with you? 
Okay, the nickname, it's embarrassing for me to share this with you, but you know, for your edification, let me share it with you today, is that uh, we really, for some reason, identified with these two Japanese Sanrio anime characters called the Little Twin Stars, all right? Have you heard a little? Don't you guys think that that kind of looks like Pastor Charlene and myself right now? I know, I know, I don't have blue hair. I know that she doesn't have pink hair. But for some reason, we really, really kind of identified with those two. Their names are Kiki on the right, or on on, on your right, or my my right here, and and Lala on the left. And and so, believe it or not, and it's embarrassing for me to say this now, 15 years later, but the nickname that Charlene gave me was Kiki. All right. Thank God she doesn't call me Kiki anymore. All right? And praise God, no one else does call me Kiki. Please don't call me Pastor Kiki, okay? It just sounds really weird. Uh, but to this day, I will still, in my phone, in my contacts, if I'm looking for uh, Charlene's number, uh, you won't find it under Charlene. You will find it under Lala. To this day. So if, if you see me on my phone and you see Lala there, I'm talking very romantically to this girl called Lala. Know that that's my wife, all right? That's no one other than Pastor Charlene, uh, and that was my nickname for her and still is in some ways. In fact, when I proposed to Charlene, when we got engaged, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was about 15 years ago in June, and I decided that I was going to sing her a song. It was a song that I wrote for her. It was called Lala. Do you guys want to hear that song? I'll give you a little snippet of that song, all right? Do you, do you know how it goes? It goes like this, real simple. It goes, la, 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 I love you, la, 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 I need you. You're my favorite star, baby, just the way you are. I think I could spend my whole life gazing at you, baby. God, could this be true? Baby, I'm so thankful I got la, la, la. And he's on going that, right? Go, go, give God a big hand for that. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. Who could say no to a guy singing a song like that, huh? And so I got on one knee. I had a, a ring in my hand. And I said, Lala, Shar, would you marry me? And she looked at me. And she said, absolutely, Kiki. And uh, that was the way that we ended up getting engaged. And history uh, is, was made since that time uh, is because we had this fascination with stars. And the reason I mention that is this. is I don't know if it's just me. And I don't think it's just my family. But I found that around the world, People have a fascination with stars, don't you find? For example, what's the hottest movie in theaters right now? That hot movie is called Star Wars, The Last Jedi, right? For example, if you go on TV, over the past 12 years, one of the most popular TV shows and one of the most popular TV shows of all time is called Dancing with the Stars, right? You're dancing with Hollywood celebrities. They're called stars. When you're a young child and you're a little baby, just a few months old, what's one of the first songs you learn to sing, no matter what language you speak and no matter what country you come from? It's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, right? right? And uh, what this past year was the biggest spectacle that brought literally hundreds and thousands of people out of their seats, out of their offices, out of their homes, out of their cars, to put on sunglasses just to witness the spectacle, it was the solar eclipse, where people are saying, wow, the moon is covering the star called the sun. Let's check it out. Why is it that there is this worldwide fascination that we have with stars? I don't know, but I do know this. I find it interesting that on that very first Christmas, when God was leading these magi from the east, these wise men from the east, all the way to Bethlehem, to this little place where the true meaning of Christmas could be found, that they found it through a star. 
that he led them by way of a star. And what did these magi see under the glimmer of that star? It wasn't a shopping mall with signs that said, buy one, get one free. It wasn't Santa Claus in a big red suit saying, take a selfie with me. It wasn't presents and gifts wrapped so nicely under a tree. It wasn't a restaurant filled with food and drink and friends and family. You know what they see under that place, under that star? They, say, they see baby Jesus, whom the Bible says came to save you and me. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's what they saw. Tell your neighbor and say, that's what they saw. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, just before Jesus is born, you know, the angel appears to Joseph, the man engaged to Mary, and he says this, read it with me. He says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I don't know if you know this, but the word Jesus, the name Jesus, it's actually a Greek form of a Jewish name. The Jewish name is Yeshua, or Joshua, and it literally means God saves. The Lord saves. And the reason they gave Jesus that name was long before you and I ever thought about God, long before you and I ever reached for God, 2,000 years ago, God reached for us when he sent Jesus Christ to be born to this world, to be the Savior of the world, to save us from sin. If you believe that, say amen. And if I were to sum up Christmas in just eight words, the eight words I would use to sum up the entire Christmas story and the entire purpose of Christmas is this. You can write it down. You can take a picture. I just want you to make sure you remember it. Those eight words I'm giving to you right now are, you need a savior. His name is Jesus. You need a savior. His name is Jesus. And here's the thing, is God knew long before we did that we needed a savior. And so at that very first Christmas, that's exactly what he gave us. He gave us a savior unlike any other, a star unlike any other. His name is Jesus. And I have this feeling that these magi, they're following this bright, beautiful star. It's magnetic. It's powerful. It's like a spotlight in my eyes right now. They're following the star. And yet what they bow down to is not that star. What they bow down to is this little child, fragile weak, small. They offer their gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh to the child because I think maybe in their hearts they realize something is that the real star, the one that's truly powerful, the one that's truly brilliant, the one that's truly shining, the one they truly need and is truly worthy of their worship was not the star they were following. It was the star that was leading to the star. It wasn't the star in the sky. It was the star in the crib. If you get what I'm, go- where I'm going, give God a big, big hand here in this place. He's talking about Jesus, the real star of Christmas. And you know, to this day, just as God used a star to lead the Magi to Jesus, I believe that God continues to this day to use stars to lead people to Jesus. And that star could be a person in your life. That star could be a situation that you didn't ask for. That star could be a challenge or a problem that you don't know how to solve. But God still to this day uses stars to lead us to Jesus. Not so that we worship the star, but that ultimately we find and worship Jesus. One of the best examples I know of that is a little star that I call uh, this boy Dax in the U.S. Little boy Dax. When Dax was born, his mom and his dad were ecstatic. Their firstborn child. Everything was exciting. Everything was crazy. Everything was tiring. Everything was just busy. But everything seemed pretty normal for, you know, newborn and their parents. But when Dax was about six six months old, 
he started to suffer from colds and ear infections, and his parents didn't really know why. They took him to doctor to doctor, eventually took him to specialist to specialist, eventually they took him to the hospital, and it was there that they were shocked to find out that Dax, at just a few months old, had a very rare and severe form of leukemia called AML. And for the next year, Dax, he spent most of his time in the hospital. In fact, you know how he took his first few steps? In his first year, he took his first few steps in the hospital tied to an, a, uh, tied to an IV stand. This is how he took his first steps. And you know, he went through several rounds of different types of treatment. He went through a chemotherapy round and that cancer didn't go away. He did a bone marrow transplant, but the, the cancer didn't go away. Did a radiation treatment, but the cancer didn't go away. They, they tried another bone transplant, and still the cancer remained. And when that cancer just kept on returning, despite all these rounds of treatment, the doctors finally had to break the news to Dax's parents and say, Dax's parents, I'm so sorry, but I don't think your son's going to make it. In fact, it's October now. You'll be lucky if he makes it to November. We don't think he's going to make it to Christmas. And that was their situation. If you were Dax's parents, what would you do? Dax's parents, of course, they were heartbroken, but thought, you know, we're going to make the best and the most of this opportunity. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to take Dax out of the hospital and we're going to bring him home so that he can live with us as happily as we can have him live with us until his final days are done. And so that's exactly what they did. They brought him home. And because it was October, they thought, man, he might not even make it to Christmas. Let's bring Christmas to Dax. And so in the, in the middle of October, they start, they, they start getting out their Christmas tree, started getting out their Christmas decorations, their lights. They start decorating the house. And when the, the dad is out there decorating the house on the outside, there are these neighbors who, who notice and go, like, what's going on? Like, it's, it's Halloween, buddy. It's not Christmas time. What are you doing? And when he told them what was going on with his son, they, they thought, hey, can we do that too? So the next door neighbor and the neighbor after that and the neighbor across the street, all of them start decorating their homes with Christmas lights, Christmas trees. Eventually the whole neighborhood gets involved. They decorate their houses with Christmas lights and Christmas trees. Eventually the whole town gets involved. City Hall puts up Christmas lights and Christmas trees in the middle of October, all in honor of this little boy called Dax so that he could have Christmas in October. And the amazing thing is this, is that Dax not only got to celebrate Christmas in October, but he actually got to make it to Christmas that year. Instead of one Christmas, he got two Christmases. He got to celebrate Christmas in October and on December 25th. And then on December 29, 2009, at the age of two and a half years old, that's when Dax passed away. You know, when Dax passed away, there was a very deep emptiness in the life of Dax's mom, Julie. See, Julie had spent her entire two and a half years taking care of Dax. That was not only her full-time job, that was her life, just taking care of her son. And when Dax was gone, she didn't know what to do with herself anymore. And she fell into a depression. But somehow through Dax and through Dax's sickness, Julie got to meet people at the hospital who were Christians, who were going through the same kind of struggles that Julie was going through. But for some reason, she noticed that in these people who were going through the same struggles that she was going through, they had a hope she didn't have. They had a peace she didn't have. They had a, even a joy that they didn't have. And she was like, you know what, where'd you guys get that? And the more she got to know these Christian friends of hers, the more she realized that there's a hope that is in Jesus Christ that's made available to everyone, including her. And in November, 
just, uh, you know, in 2012, Julie, she prayed a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. And when Julie received Christ into her life, this is what she wrote. She said, on the day she received Jesus in her life, she wrote, God has a much bigger plan for me. She said, today, I'm thankful that I get to live with Dax for all eternity. I know he's rejoicing in heaven, and I can't wait for another dance with my sweet little boy. And uh, I think, you know, if Julie were here, she'd enjoy the hip-hop dancers who are doing all their snowman stuff today. Um, But there's nothing compared, I think, for her than the day when she can rejoice and dance with Dax in heaven. But she received a hope that she didn't have before. She received a peace that she didn't have before. She received a strength and a purpose she didn't have before because she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. And because of that, Julie, she would go on to start what was called the Dax Foundation. It's a foundation that's all geared toward helping kids with cancer. And not just that, but after she received Christ into her life, Julie finally found the courage again to keep on going with her own life. And her husband and her found the courage to try for another child. And so just a couple years ago, God blessed Julie and her husband with a beautiful baby girl and who's healthy and who's happy. And on November 4th, 2017, this is just last month, Julie posted on Facebook this post. And if you can't read it, let me just read it for you. She writes, five years ago today, I gave my life to Christ. I prayed the prayer of salvation with this amazing couple, and that's her pastors from her church. And I dove into learning about who my God is. It changes everything. It changes everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus changes everything. You know, earlier today I was saying that I believe God, just like he used a star to lead the Magi to Jesus, I believe that God to this day is using stars to lead people to Jesus. And in Julie's case, who was that star that God was using? In Julie's case, it was her son Dax. In Julie's case, it was also her son's sickness because she wouldn't have found Jesus without that sickness. In Julie's case, it was those friends she met at the hospital who were Christians who shared with her about Jesus. In Julie's case, it was the the pastors who, who prayed a prayer to help her receive Christ into her life. And those stars that God placed in her life, this whole constellation of stars, God used so that she could finally find the true meaning in life. She found Jesus as a result of those stars. And I'm here to tell you today, is that just as God used a star to lead the Magi to Jesus, just as God used stars to lead Julie to Jesus, God still places stars in your life to lead you to Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. See, that star might not be a heavenly body in the sky, but it's maybe someone at home. Or it's maybe someone at work. Maybe it's the friend who invited you to church this morning. Maybe it's someone who just cares a lot about you or you care a lot about them. They might not even know they're leading you to Jesus, but you know, just by you and them being together, you somehow are thinking about Jesus today. That star could not, could, may not be a person. Maybe it's a challenging situation in your life that's beyond your control. It might be a problem you don't know how to solve. It might be a sickness that you're dealing with or the sickness of a loved one that you're dealing with today. And somehow through it all, you never hope for it. You never ask for it. But somehow, like a star leading you to Jesus, because of that situation or because of that sickness or because of that person, you're thinking about Jesus today. God still uses stars in your life to lead you to the realization that those eight words I shared with you about Christmas are true. It's that you need a savior and his name is Jesus. And today I want to end this morning by sharing with you what that really means. 
See, when we say you need a savior and his name is Jesus, what that means at the bottom line is God loves you. That he loves you. He, he just loves you, not because of the stuff you do, but he just loves you just the way that you are because he made you. He is, in that video we saw, comforter, counselor, healer, king, savior, provider, father. That's how he sees you. He loves you. And when we had no way of reaching God on our own, when we could not do anything to earn our way to heaven or earn our way to God, when we had nothing to do with God, when we'd rebelled against him, God didn't give up on us. He didn't quit on us. He didn't divorce us and say, forget it. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. But instead, he never gave up. Instead, he said, I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to go over to where you are. I'm going to send my son, Jesus. He's going to live the life that none of you could live a life that meets all of my requirements. He's gonna live for 30 years on this earth, understanding everything that you guys go through, and then he's gonna not sin, and he's gonna die on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven, and you can be brought back to God, and you could have a relationship with me. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place together, because that's what God did, because he loves you and me. He did it because you need a savior, and his name is Jesus. Now, I'm fully aware of this, is that as a pastor, I, I, I really care that you know this. I believe God, more than anything else in life, wants you to know this, that you need a savior. His name is Jesus. But I'm also very aware as a pastor that there's an enemy out there who does not want you to know this and that he will do anything he can to distract you from thinking about this. Is that you could, he, will, he would love it if you go through this entire Christmas season thinking about all the other things that make Christmas what it is, all the partying, all the shopping, all the eating, all the drinking, all the, all the movie watching, all the present giving, all that stuff, and you're so distracted by all that stuff that you miss the heart of what Christmas is, which is that you need a savior. His name is Jesus. Because if that enemy can keep you away from Jesus with good things or bad things, he will do it because that's how much he doesn't want you to know. But God loves you, and if you have an ear to hear me, he Hear me out right now. The reason why you are here today, the reason why God has placed stars in your life is so that you could know this truth of eight words, which is that you need a savior and his name is Jesus. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's what he wants you to know. And I find this is that God sometimes will use little things in our lives to remind us that we need a savior. Do you find that? For example, Guys, when you look lustfully at a girl who's not your wife, the Bible says that's a sin, and it's a reminder that you need a savior. All those sexual harassment cases that have been so famous in this past year, when you read the news, all of those are evidence that man is broken and man needs a savior. When you get into an argument with someone you love, your, your mom, your dad, your, your wife, your husband, your kid, and you act immaturely, or you lose your temper, or you act selfishly in the process. The Bible says that's a sin, and it's a reminder that we need a savior. When you cheat, or you lie, or you act deceitfully in front of others, that's a sin, and the Bible says you need a savior. When you go through a secret struggle in life that you have no power on your own to overcome, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's bitterness against someone for hurt from the past, Maybe it's a worry, and you just worry all the time about everything, and it's a secret struggle you carry. Maybe it's a low self-image that you struggle with, and you have no power to overcome it on your own. Whenever you go through that secret struggle, it's a reminder that you and I, we need a Savior. 
And the great news about Christmas is this, is that long before we ever knew we needed a Savior, God sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to be born of a virgin and to become that Savior for us. Could you read Romans 6.23 with me today? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's saying that the wages of sin, that in other words, what you deserve for your sin, what you earn because of your sin, the punishment that is due because of sin is death. Not just physical death, but separation from God. Where you can have very little to do with God now, and you can have nothing to do with God when you die. That is the wages of sin. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you this question. Today I'm here to tell you eight words, which is that you need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Now let me ask you this question. Why Jesus? Why not someone else? Why not Buddha? Why not Hare Krishna? Why not, you know, Muhammad? Why not some other religion? Or how about just make up your own religion? Why not those? Why, why Jesus specifically? Can I tell you why? With all due respect to other religions and faiths and philosophies, there are two things that make Jesus extremely different and very unique. And you'll only find it with Jesus. The first is that only Jesus rose from the dead. See, anyone can make all sorts of claims to know stuff about God, to know stuff about heaven, to know stuff about eternity. They can say all this stuff and say, this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to do, and then they're going to die, and then they're going to go away, and you'll never see them again. And you'll never really know if they said the truth or not. You never really know if you can depend on what they said. Only Jesus. Jesus not only made a bunch of claims about who God is, he not only said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't just say these kind of things and say, I'm the bread of life. You know, I give life to you. You know, he didn't just do those things, but he said, I'm also going to die for you, and I'm going to be raised again. And on three, the third day after he died on the cross, he rose again. And it's a fact that so many atheists and very very skeptical scholars have tried to disprove and they go through the process of going, I'm going to disprove Jesus' resurrection. And they look at the evidence only to find at the end of the process that they're like, you know what? After all this evidence, I should actually become a Christian. So many scholars have, saw, have gone through that process and found that at the end of the day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a theory, but there's very good evidence for that fact. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what does that mean? It means you can rely on what he says unlike anyone else. Muhammad, you know, he said a bunch of stuff about God and then he died. Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, he said a bunch of stuff about God or about heaven or about hell or about eternity and then he died. Jesus was the only one who died and rose again. You can trust what Jesus says. If you believe that, say amen. Second thing that's unique about Jesus is the message that he preached. See, Jesus' message is so different from the message you will find from any other religion. When I was 19, I went through this severe crisis of doubt where I was like, you know, how do I know that what Christians believe is true? And I started to examine different religions. And after a whole, like a, a bunch of time of me researching different religions, I found something about Christianity that is so unique, which is this. With every other religion, it's about what you need to do to get to God, what you need to do to get to heaven, what you need to do to get enlightenment, what you need to do to have eternal life. It's all about what you need to do. But with Christianity, it's not about what you need to do. It's about what God has already done for you. 
It's about how Jesus Christ died on the cross and made a way for you when we had no other way. Any of you guys heard this or seen this movie before? It's called The Titanic. It's the 20th year anniversary of this historic film. And a lot of iconic scenes from this movie, even the song is very famous, you know, near far, wherever you are. You know, that, that's my best Celine Dion impression for you, Merry Christmas. Um, there's that, that part about, oh, I'm the king of the world. That part, you guys remember that part, right? There's, there's also that part where, you know, Rose, she's the leading character, you know, and Jack, they're, 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 they're floating uh, on this piece of the ship. And, you know, they're in frozen waters. They're both, you know, barely alive. And, you know, Jack is in the water. Rose is on the, 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 the ship. And, and, and she's like, I won't go, Jack. Jack, I won't let go. I won't let go. And then she lets him go, and then lets him go, and then and then and then, and then she and then what she does, she 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 grabs the the whistle of someone who'd already died, and she goes. What? Why do I mention that? It's because, do you know what the difference between Christianity and every other every other religion is? See, every other religion is this. I don't know if you noticed this in that scene. There are like fifteen hundred people who are drowning in the ocean, these frozen waters. But then at the same time, there are all these lifeboats that are way down the stream, way down the ocean, and most of them are empty. Most of them, there's no no one in there. And, you know, every other religion is kind of like this. Swim here. Try harder. Work harder. Be better. And get here. Save yourself. That's what most religions teach. Be a better person. Pray more. Try harder. Do more good. Try to make your life so that you have more good things and bad things. And hopefully, you know, the bad things will, will, will be far away by your good things. Come on, try harder. Come on, swim here. Swim over here. And most of them never make it. In fact, none of them did. Jesus is different. He says, I know you can't make it on this side. I know that as hard as you try, you have no way of getting there. So I'm going to go to where you are. I'm not going to wait for you to come to heaven. I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to give you my lifeboat. And you can get into this lifeboat and have a place in my lifeboat. And not just a place in my lifeboat. You can have my place in the lifeboat. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to die instead of you so that you can be saved. Come on, give God a big big hand in this place. Because that's what Jesus did for you and me. Give God a big shout in this place right now. Come on. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. That's why Jesus is unique. See, every other religion is a a works-based-oriented program to say, earn your way to God. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That when we couldn't earn it, God said, it's okay. I give it to you as a gift. And whenever we do good, Whenever we try to do good, it's not because we're trying to earn a gift that we could never earn anyways. It's because we want to respond to this gift that we've already received and love people the way that Jesus loves us. If you believe that, say amen. Acts 4, 10 to 12 says it this way. And keep in mind what's going on. Jesus, he has a disciple called Peter. Peter, he's walking down the street one day. He sees a cripple along the street. And he says, in the name of Jesus, walk. 
And all of a sudden, this cripple has been crippled all his life. He gets up on his feet and he begins to walk. The people are shocked. The people are amazed. And this is what Peter says in response to all that. He says, read it with me right now. It says, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. In other words, you need a savior and his name is Jesus. There's no other name that can save you. Muhammad didn't give you his name so that you could be saved. He just told you how to be a better person and that hopefully maybe by being a better person, you might earn your way to God. Buddha didn't tell you how to be saved and say, I'm the way, you, 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 you come through me and all, you'll have a way to have it. No, he said, you know what? You have to do this and this and this and this and this. Jesus is the only one who said, let me save you. Everyone else was kind of thinking, oh, I think that's the way. Yeah, I think that's the way. Jesus saying, I am the way. And that's what Jesus gave to us was a way back to God. And you know, today I'm here to tell you that as Canadians, we can be very neutral or very non-committal about spiritual matters, you know? But you can't be neutral on this point. See, you need a savior and his name is Jesus. Either you believe that or you don't. Either you say, yes, I need a savior, his name is Jesus, or you're like, whatever. And, and there's the thing, whatever choice you make has huge consequences for your life. See, for example, there are a lot of different ways to try to disagree with that statement. You can say, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, JB, thanks for sharing this today. I appreciate it. But you know what? I'm not very religious, all right? I'm not really into organized religion. You know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious, all right? And so I'm not really into this stuff. You know, I, I'm just here, here to check off a box and go home so I can watch football later on. That's saying, no, I don't need a savior. If you say, I don't need Jesus because I've got my own thing. I've got my own take on things. I think I can get there by myself. I'm a pretty good swimmer. I think I can get there. I think if I try hard enough, God's going to see that I tried and that, you know, he's going to be just generous anyways and, so, and let me in because he saw that I tried. If you think that way, then you are doing two things. Number one, you're saying, I don't need a savior. And number two, you're ignoring everything God has already tried to tell you in the Bible. Is that well, you can't get there and you need a savior. If you say, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. And if you just say, I don't know, and you never make a decision, you've already made a decision. You, by you saying, I don't know if Jesus is what I need, I don't know if I need a Savior, then your answer at the end of the day is actually, no, I don't need, you. I know, I don't need a Savior. Because you either know from the depths of you that you need a Savior, or you don't. And I'm here to tell you, you need a Savior, and I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And you might think, oh, you know what? The consequences, what are the consequences? Let me tell you what the consequences are. If you say, no, I don't need a savior, the consequence is huge. Look at John 8, 24. Jesus is saying this himself. And read it with me. What does he say? He says, if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Notice that. Notice what he's saying. He's not saying, oh, okay, if you don't believe what I'm saying, that's okay. You just believe what you want to believe and it'll be all right. He's not saying that. Then say, oh, yeah, you know what? If you don't believe what, I, what I'm telling you, then that's okay. You know, just, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. So, no, he's not saying that. He's saying, if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, then you're going to die in your sins. In other words, you are going to live a life apart from God now, 
and you're going to live an eternity apart from God forever. You will indeed die in your sins. And until you realize that you need a Savior and his name is Jesus, you're going to find this. You will always find your life on earth will always find that there's something missing. There's a joy that's missing. There's a peace that's missing. There's a hope that's missing. There's a strength that's missing. But if you say, yes, I believe I need a Savior, and yes, his name is Jesus, it changes everything. Your sins are forgiven. Even through your toughest times, you have a hope that won't fail you. You have a joy that the world cannot replace. You have a peace that is stronger than your worry. You have a purpose that can drive your life like never before. You can have faith that overcomes your fear. You can forgive in ways that you weren't able to forgive before. And you go from a life that was apart from God both now and for eternity to being a citizen of heaven and a child of God. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place because that's what happens when you say, I need a savior and his name is Jesus. I need a savior and his name is Jesus. Do you know the first time I realized that I need a savior and his name is Jesus? It was a lot long, it was, it was a lot, like it, it, was, it was many years after I'd sinned many, many times. You know, very often we sin a lot and then we realize we need a savior long after. That's what happened with me. Is, is that I wasn't until, it was until I was about 15 years old where I was in, I, was, I grew up in an awesome church. In that church, they had this house, this green house, where it was really like ugly green. I'm not sure why they'd never repainted, but it was it was a it was a it was, it was a house where they would have all their youth meetings. And I, I was in that house. And I remember I was I was you know in that house, and I was I was leaning against a pole in that house. And there was this youth counselor there who's talking about Jesus, and he got everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, and he said, you know, you might have been to church before, but have you ever opened up your heart to Jesus? Have you ever said, Jesus, come into my life. I need a savior. His name is Jesus. And on that day, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I raised my hand on that day. I said, I need a savior. Because I knew deep down, as little as I knew back then, you know, even less than I know now, you know, I knew back then that there is no way I could ever swim across eternity to where heaven is. I will always be someone who's going to make mistakes. There will never be a day when I don't on this side of heaven. And so I, I raised my hand and said, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me my sins. And then I got baptized. And I can tell you this, is that for some reason, that decision changed my life. For some reason, after that, I had a hope that this world cannot give. For some reason, I had a purpose that still drives me to this day. For some reason, I had a faith that could help me overcome some pretty deep fears. For some reason, I had a peace that was stronger than the worries that I would carry. For some reason, I had a joy that the world could not offer, and I could forgive people who'd hurt me in the past. And it's all because Jesus changes everything. It's all because we need a savior, and his name is Jesus. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give him a shout as well. Come on, church. And the reason I say all of this to you today is not just to wax poetic and give you guys a good message to leave for leave home with, but it's, it's because... You need a savior, and his name is Jesus. Look at John 3, 16 and 17 with me right now. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God is not here to condemn you. God is not here to punish you. God is here to save you. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ for us. 
And that's why right now, I want to give you an opportunity to receive the greatest gift you could ever receive in life. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to make make the most of this opportunity right now. Don't worry about your neighbor right now. I encourage you, even from your seat, to get into a position where you can focus on God right now. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you this question today. Today we've learned that Christmas can be summed up in eight words. You need a savior. His name is Jesus. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that you need a savior and his name is Jesus? Do you believe that? See, if you do, then we're going to pray a prayer with you to help you receive Jesus into your life. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Receiving Jesus today is the greatest gift you can ever receive at Christmas. It's the longest lasting gift because it's going to last forever. It's the most practical gift because you'll use it every day of your life. It's the most expensive gift because God paid for it with his son, Jesus' blood. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to receive Jesus as your savior today, then it's as simple as praying a prayer that I'm going to lead you in right now. Why don't you pray this with me if you want to receive Jesus as your savior today. You can say, dear God, I come to you a sinner in need of a savior. I realize that I need a savior and his name is Jesus. I believe you sent Jesus Christ, the son of God, to be born into this world, to live the life that I couldn't live, to die the death that I should have died and to rise again to give me life. I place my faith in Jesus Christ and I proclaim that because of Jesus, I am saved, I am forgiven, and I am made new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says that if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, that uh, you are a child of God and your sins are forgiven. And so without worrying about what your neighbor is doing or what your person in front of you is doing, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that sincerely, wouldn't you mind just raising your hand so I can see? If you prayed that prayer and you meant that sincerely, could you just raise your hand so I can see? Raise it high. What we're going to do is we're just going to pass out a gift to you from our gift team that's, I think, going to encourage you as you, uh, as you kind of walk out this relationship with Jesus. Can we give all those who are raising their hands right now a big round of applause right now? If you raise your hand, why don't you just, and you'll have to look around you don't have to look around, but if you raise your hand, praise God, you can raise your hand and you can receive a gift today to encourage you in your walk with God. What I want to do right now is praise God for all those hands. Praise God. Congratulations. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And I want to ask you to do this one thing, and I'm encouraging everyone to do this right now, is you can grab from your seat or in front of your seat a Connect card. It's a green Connect card. It's the most important card that you can use today. And at the bottom of that Connect card on the back side, there's a section that says, did you make any of these decisions today? And there's three options. The first option is, today I received Jesus as my Savior. And if that's you today, if you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it from your heart, whether you said it loudly or softly, if you meant it from your heart, and maybe even said it quietly, silently, if you meant it from your heart, I'm going to encourage you to, to check off 
that option right there. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior, and congratulations. It is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And one more thing. There's a second option. On that card, it says, I want to get baptized. Let me just speak really quick to that point real quick. How do you show that Jesus is your Savior? How do you show that you really do believe that I need a Savior, his name is Jesus? You do it by getting baptized. Everyone say baptized. If you've never seen what a baptism looks like, then here's a little video that our team put together of some of the people that got baptized just very recently here at our church, uh, and it looks a little bit like this. Check it out. If you believe in Jesus, and if you trust in Jesus, not only did Jesus rise again for you, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is made available to you so that you can rise again as well. Amen. So that you can rise up from any situation that you may be facing today, that you might feel like the situation is dead, but because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, because you placed your trust in Jesus, the same power is made available to you so that you can rise again. You can rise again from boredom. You can rise again from depression. You can rise again from hopelessness. You can rise again from a broken heart. You can rise again from a broken dream. You can rise again from a broken situation you don't know how to solve. You can rise again. Praise God. Can we give God a big hand for that? If you're ever wondering what a baptism looks like, that what it, that's what it looks like. Notice it's really fast. It's not we put you underwater for a minute and see if you can hold your breath, all right? It's not that you go into the water and you come right back out. And it, symbol, it symbolizes the new life you have in Jesus. How we died with Christ, our sins are washed away, and we have a new life with him through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us, how he rose again from the grave. And here I want to tell you this, is if you receive Jesus Christ into your life today or very recently, you have everything you need to get baptized. What is baptism? Baptism is not a graduation to say, oh, look at me, I'm a perfect Christian now. Look at me, I'm never going to make any mistakes. All the people that you saw in that video, they've made mistakes ever since their baptism. Okay, all right? That's, 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 not, that's not pointing a finger at them. It's just a fact, including me including me, we've all made mistakes. But the fact is this, is that when you get baptized, it's not saying, look, I've got no more questions. I've read the Bible backwards and forwards. I'm a perfect Christian. I'm making no more mistakes. No, baptism, when you get baptized, you're simply saying, I need a savior and his name is Jesus, amen. That's all you're saying. That's all you're saying. That's the way that you show that you believe in Jesus. And Mark 16, 15 to 16 says it this way. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What is he saying? Notice this. He says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. In other words, when you believe in Jesus, you trust him as your Savior, then the next step is just to get baptized. That's his command. And, and, it's, and you're going to find this, is that until the day you get baptized, you will always be never really that sure. Oh, do I really believe? Do I not? When you really believe, you will get baptized and you will be saved. Notice it doesn't say whoever believes and is not baptized will be saved because that's a paradox. See, if you don't really believe, you're not going to get baptized. But if you do believe and you really say, yeah, I, have a, I need a Savior, his name is Jesus, then the next natural thing is to get baptized. And so today, I want to encourage those of you 
who received Jesus into your, into your life today to get baptized. And we can even do it today. In fact, in the Bible, many people received Christ. They got baptized on the same day they received Christ. We're not going to do it today. We're going to do it two weeks from now. We're going to do it two weeks from now. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place. We're going to have a baptism service two weeks from now. Praise God, people are already signing up for it. January 7th, two weeks from now, the first Sunday of the year, we're going to be having our next baptism service. Come on, give God a big, big shout. Come on. Amen. And so... If you receive Jesus Christ into your life today, then congratulations. We encourage you to get baptized as a way to say, yes, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Praise God. And get this, if you were baptized a long time ago, if you were baptized when you were a baby or when you were really young, but you never really understood what you were doing, then I want to encourage you, you can actually get baptized again. You can get baptized this time understanding what you're doing. This time believing in Jesus while you're doing it. And if that's you, then you can actually get baptized again. And on this, and so whether you are in one situation or the other, I want to encourage you to take that connect form and you can on that second option, you can say, I want to get baptized. And then our team is going to contact you, give you information about when the baptism is going to be, uh, you know, some stuff to prepare. We'll even have a little class next week to, to share, you, share with you a bit more about stuff you need to get ready for baptism, what it is, and all that stuff. But it's all for us to say, I need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Can we give God a big, big hand today for an awesome morning together?